listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. You may or may not know this about me, but I love movies. I, I like, I'm like a movie nut, and, and I always have ever since I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I used to watch all the old um, Elvis movies over and over again. Anybody ever seen those movies? Like, they're so cheesy, but I just loved them when I was a kid, right? And, and, and so, yeah, there, there's the king right there, right? And Jailhouse Rock. And, and I, I just sincerely loved them as a kid. And uh, when I look back on them as an adult, I can't help but notice that Elvis was, was playing a role, right? He was playing, a, uh, he was acting, he was playing a role, but the character he was playing was never really far from who he actually was. Like, he never, the character never strayed too far away from who he actually was. Yeah, he may have been playing, like, a tour guide or an ex-con or, like, a soldier, but it was always, like, this soldier who's, like, super cool, right? And, and like, this soldier who, who played and sang guitar every chance he got, you know, like, whether he was on a train or a jail cell. And, um, and so I just, I always notice, I, I look back on that and, and I noticed that um, Elvis's film career spanned 31 films, right? And, and, and this was the case in every single one of them. Like, like he, was, he was always playing, uh, you know, part a character, part himself, right? And except for the infamous movie Kissing Cousins, where in addition to his regular role, he played a brown-haired hillbilly as well. I think we have proof of that, right? So, um, right? So, I mean, it, I, I just, I, I think acting as a job is, is fascinating to me because when you think about it, an actor's job is to become someone else and make us believe that they are that person in the film, right? And it's got to be incredibly difficult to maintain any sense of authentic personal identity when for long periods of your life, you're playing a role as someone else, right? I mean, think about how difficult that would be. Like, like no wonder Hollywood's kind of messed up, you know? Like, like, my guess is that one of the most difficult parts of that job is being able to turn off the character that you were playing and just be you again. I, I would think that would be difficult, knowing when to stop playing the role and become authentic again. I can imagine that this struggle could lead to not knowing how to turn off the role and like become authentic again. Like, uh, I can imagine that, I'm sure that there has probably been more than one time, I mean, I can think of some where, where people have gotten lost in the role that they were playing, and they, and they had trouble getting back to the reality of who they were, and, and I mean, I, I, like, I'm sure playing the role was more fun. Right, playing the role is probably more fun than facing reality. It, it, it always is, right? And reality can be brutal and ugly, but at least it's true, right? 
And, and see, it's not just people in Hollywood who face this problem. It's, it's everyone, especially people in a relationship with God. If we're not careful, we can become actors in our prayer life trying our best to convince God and ourselves that we are someone we're not, that we believe things we actually don't. And it may be a little like an Elvis role where like, some parts of our prayers are, are authentic, and then, and then other parts of our roles are, we're, we're like putting that role on, you know? And, and, and for some of us, especially those who have been Christians for a long time, we can just get so lost in the role that we've been playing that we don't even know we're doing it anymore. Like, we're just kind of going through the motions, and, and authenticity has to be front and center in our prayer life with God. We're in a teaching series right now called Communication. Communication. And, and we're setting aside these few weeks before Advent to really discuss what it means to commune with God. To dialogue with Him on a day-to-day uh, life lifestyle. And, and the first two weeks we spent... Um, some time looking into the Lord's Prayer, the example of how to pray that Jesus gave us, and we broke it down into small pieces, uh, starting with recognizing that God is our Heavenly Father, right? And, And we talked about how God is both creator and sustainer of every living, breathing thing, and yet He is also Abba, Abba is the Aramaic word for father used in the Lord's Prayer, and it, and it means intimate, personal, and loving. So, so God has these two very distinct parts to his identity, creator and sustainer of the universe, and Abba, intimate, personal father who loves you and knows you by name, right? Uh, that was week one, and, and honestly, week two, I don't even really know how to talk about because I, after Ricardo's message last week, Ricardo brought the message last week, and, and I saw a lot of people just walking around with their mouths open after it, like, did that really happen? Yeah, yeah, I think it did. Wow, you know, like just totally minds blown, right? And, and, and so if you missed it, you got to go back to our website and check out the podcast and, and listen to Ricardo's message. But he, Ricardo said this one thing that was so cool and so just packed with meaning. He said, prayer is about aligning our lives to his will of command. And if I try to break down the depths of everything he packed into that tiny phrase, like I would just end up re-preaching his message. So, and I wouldn't do as good of a job. So just go back and listen on the podcast. But, but uh, today we're going to address what it looks like to be authentic in our prayer life with God. And, and I don't really know when it happened, but somewhere along the way, people inside the church and outside the church got the idea that you need to have your life together before you come to God. And, and honestly, our church has raged against that idea. Um, and, and we try to let everyone know that this place was built for authentic 
community, a place where you can come as you are and there's no shame on you. We love you and we want you to be in our family. And, but many congregations around the world, people feel like they have to project some sort of ideal Christian image uh, when they walk through the doors. Like, if you, don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me give you an example. Like, how many of you have been driving on your way to church right? And you were fighting the whole way with your spouse, right? The whole way until you got to church and you stepped out of the car and you were all smiles. <laughs> You're all smiles, right? Anybody ever been there? I, I've been there, right? Except for my wife and I don't drive to church together because I come super early. But um, anyways, but um, how many of you have been on your way to church and your kids are just working your last nerve, right? Like, you're just, they're just on that last nerve, like stomping on it, right? And, 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 and so when you pull in the church parking lot, you give them the teeth talk, right? Like, if you don't be on your best behavior, and you don't respect your Sunday school teacher, I'm going to take your Xbox and smash it to make it look like a pile of Legos, right? Like... No, I mean, nobody's ever done that. But uh, anyone ever been there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I gave the teeth talk once or twice. And uh, Why do we do that? Why do, when we walk through the church, do we, why don't we say exactly how we actually feel? Like when the greeter, you know, comes up to you and says, here's your bulletin. Hey, welcome to church. Well, instead of saying, oh, you know, I- I'm good, like doing the, o- the okay um, echoing thing where each okay is less convincing than the one before. Like, like how you doing today? I'm okay. I- I'm okay. Yeah, things are okay. You know, like... Uh, what if instead of doing that, we actually were authentic and said, you know, I'm really struggling with my kids today. Or what if we said, my husband is driving me up a stinking wall, right? Um, we probably wouldn't say that to a church greeter, honestly, but we might, we might say it to a close friend. But here's the thing. Here's the important part is that we can be that authentic with God. When we pray, we don't have to use the correct flowery language and pretend like everything's on the up and up. Part of having an honest dialogue with God is not hiding or masking how we're feeling. Talking with God from a place of authenticity. And I really like the example of Psalm 77, which was where we're going to go today. You can go ahead and turn there and um, we're going to spend most of our time today in Psalm 77, and the, the book of Psalms is a collection of songs and poems and prayers, and this particular one is, is what's called a, a psalm of lament, which means it, it's got like a, a desperate kind of tone to it, and the author of this psalm is named Aspha. How would you like to have that name? <laughs> and and he, he's really distraught about the condition of his community right now. And the, the Israelite people, um, the Israelites have obviously been in like a dark season right now when this was written. And, and, uh, and Aspha wasn't afraid to let God know how he felt about it. You'll see what I mean here in a second. So let's read Psalm 77. I'll go ahead and read it. Starting at verse 1. 
I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah, which means just pause and think about, it's not actually a word you read, it it, it just means pause and think about what you just read. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has his anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. Your, what God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the people. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. I, I realize that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a chunk of scripture to read out loud, but let's break this up into tiny bite-sized chunks. And the very first thing the author says is, I cry aloud to God with an extra emphasis on the aloud part, right? And, and, and he says, he will hear me. Isn't that such a comfort to know that we can cry out to the Lord And he hears us. Even when we're an emotional basket case like this guy, like he he, he tells God, God things like, I can't sleep, God, because my soul is weary and refuses to be comforted. How many have had one of those nights before? I have. I have them all the time, actually. Um... Uh, This guy even goes as far to say that, God, when I remember you, I moan. This guy has a little flair for the dramatic. No no wonder he's like a songwriter. (laughs) Um, 
this, uh, this psalmist continues just to pour out his heart to God in such an authentic way. Obviously, he is deeply troubled and he feels the freedom to tell God about it, it which when you think about it, is, is, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. I think this can be a hard thing to get used to when, we're, when we are developing a life of prayer with God in the secret place. I think being totally honest and expressing uh, our troubled hearts can be a hard thing to get used to, to to take the first steps um, towards. It's easy to express wants and needs and concerns for others, but I feel like sometimes we're hesitant to tell God that we're unsure or frustrated with him. And right around verse 6, the author begins to realize what the true questions are, and they, they all stem from fear and uncertainty. In verse 6, it says, Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? That's a question. That's a question that he's feeling in his innermost being. Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? This guy is not acting, right? He is like laying out some deep-seated fears before God. But he, he doesn't let the fear of asking those questions scare him off, right? Sometimes we can keep those questions bottled up inside because we are afraid to ask the Lord. Like he can't take it, or he's too fragile, or we're going to offend him, or something. And, and when we keep these uncertainties, fears, and deep questions to ourselves, it creates a spiritual logjam within us. It doesn't change how God feels about us, because he already knows where we're at and what's going on with us, whether we speak it out loud to him or not. But when we live in this hesitancy To be authentic with God, what it does is lessen the authenticity of our communication with God. When when we hold these things back, we are no longer keeping ourselves current with God, which will intensely affect our day-to-day walk with Him. And this author has some serious, serious questions and fears, but he doesn't let the fear stop him from talking to God about it. He doesn't stop at fear. He pushes forward, and in verses 10 through 20, he begins to take action against his fears, reminding himself out loud the mighty things God has done for their people and the depths of his faithfulness. So he writes in verse 10, Then I said, I will appeal to this, the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. 
You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And and all of these statements so far that he said about God are wonderfully true, like in every single way. And in verse 16, the author begins to even get more specific, right? In, In this moment, one of many ways... God was miraculously faithful to the Israelite people comes to mind. And and in his prayer, he recants how God saved them from certain death by parting the Red Sea. So he goes, when Pharaoh's armies were chasing after the Israelites, and he goes on to say, when the waters saw you, O God. Now he's getting very specific here. When the waters saw you, O God. When the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, and your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Verse 19 is key. If you're going through a trial right now and you're listening for God's voice, listen to this verse 19. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. He delivered the Israelite people right through the heart of the Red Sea to safety. And verse 20 says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And that's where the psalm ends, right? It's kind of a soft ending, don't you think? From where he starts to where he ends. And what I love about the psalm is that you can tell from his word choices that the author is in deep distress in the beginning of the psalm. He... he uh, He's having one of those nights where every thought, every question, every fear is ricocheting around his mind like a ping pong ball. In in verse 7, around verse 7, he gets to the real fears and questions that are hanging around his neck like a horcrux. Yeah, that was a Harry Potter reference. Sorry about that. Um... But he doesn't let the fear of God's response to these burning questions throw him off the trail, right? He he lets it out before God. He allows himself to be current with God. And around verse 13, there's this dramatic shift where the focus is taken off the pain and fear the author feels and focuses on God's faithfulness. There's this big shift from I to you. There's this, there's this shift, and it starts in this psalm with I, 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 me, 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 and transitions to you. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. Amen? Amen. What I love about this psalm is that there is no direct response from God, right? The author just pours out his heart in prayer and by the end feels like he has his answer. 
See, sometimes the big answers we want to our current fears and deep questions are within the experiences of God's faithfulness from the past, from our past. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the big answers we want to our current fears and deep questions are within our experiences of God's faithfulness in the past. We can't just stop at expressing those frustrations, though. If God doesn't immediately respond back, which sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't, it's our duty as his, as his children to remind ourselves that he is a faithful father who is both all-powerful and all-loving. He will never abandon us or hurt us in all the trials He allows us to go through are for our growth and his glory. It is always a good thing to respond after a brutally authentic prayer with a faith-filled prayer. Recanting of all the times the Lord has been faithful to you. Remind yourself that if he was faithful then, he will be faithful now. We need to remind ourselves of the personal and ever-present faithfulness of the Lord in our lives from time to time because sometimes his way is through the sea. Sometimes his way is through the raging water and sometimes his footprints are unseen, but that doesn't mean he's not there. But knowing all of this, shouldn't stop us from expressing those deep questions. We can't allow those to sit inside too long. We have to let them out. Staying current with God means letting him into the complete mess of you. Staying current with God means allowing him into the complete mess of me. And just as the worship team comes back, we look back on all these iconic people of the Bible and the first things that come to mind are the great things God did through them. But truth is they had fears and questions just like we do. There are loads and loads of examples of this throughout the Bible. Some of the most famous people in the Bible at one point or another expressed their true feelings to God in a not-so-flowery kind of way. When God told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to be pregnant and have a son in their old age, they laughed in the face of God. Moses was a murderer and in hiding when God called him out of hiding to go face Pharaoh and tell him to release the Israelites from slavery. You know what Moses said? He said, surely you've got it wrong, God. Surely you've got it wrong, not me. I'm not so good with words. I'm slow and not very eloquent, which I can totally relate to because I have that same conversation with God at about 10.15 every Sunday morning. Elijah told God he wanted to die at one point. Job asked God why he even brought him out of the womb in the first place. 
King David said, how long will you forget me, O God? Jeremiah accused the Lord of deceiving him. Even Jesus, with his last few breaths on the cross, quoted Psalm 22 out loud saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I could easily keep going and going. The Bible is filled with these people that God chose to do great things through. And at one point or another, they just had to get current with God. They had to express their questions, fears, and unbelief. These people weren't afraid to express how they truly felt in the moment. So here's my question. Why are we? Why are we? Are you living your life with God as an actor? When you communicate with God, are you doing a scene? Are you saying all the lines you think he wants to hear? Or are you in authentic communion, communication with him? Maybe you're here this morning and you have some serious questions. Maybe you're in a really unresolved place in your life. And I totally get it. Maybe you've been carrying around questions or fears or uncertainties for so long that they've just become a part of who you are. And I'm going to tell you that that's not who God created you to be. Maybe your questions are like, God, are you even real? Maybe your question is like, Have you turned away from me forever? Are you ever going to smile upon me again? Maybe your question is, do you really, like, really love me despite everything that I've done in my life to myself and other people? Guys, we've got to get current with God. And it's ugly, and it's brutal sometimes, but it's real, and it's true. And that's where we want to live with God, is in the truth. Is that right? Amen. So here's what I want to do right now. I want to pray for you guys, and I want to ask there's anybody in here that, that is just like, I've been carrying around these questions for so long, I don't know how to unload them. So I want to just have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes in prayer. And, and if that's you, would you just slip your hand up and down? Okay, I see it. Thank you. Thank you for being real. We're a family here. There's no judgment. Yes, I see it. It's time for us to get current with God. And so, 
What I want to do in this moment is I just want to, as the music plays, I just want to give you an opportunity right now with maybe the person that you came with or a leader within the church We would be willing, more than willing to pray with you. Or if you just want to be alone with God in this moment, that is totally cool too. But I want you to express that heart, that question, that fear, that uncertainty that you have in your life to God right now. We're just going to leave this space open for a few moments for that. Let it out. Ask the question. Allow yourself to become vulnerable with God. If there's anybody who is safe to be vulnerable with, it is God. So Jesus, you know the depths of our fears and uncertainty and our questions. This week, God, I ask you to just rain down responses over these people today. Rain down answers in faithfulness and compassion that this would be an opportunity for them to draw near and even closer to you. Father, if we can address these uncertainties or questions in community, Lord, show us how. Father, we ask you to just cover this time with your grace and compassion and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here's your homework this week. Your homework is to share that question with someone someone whom you trust and who is safe, whether it's your spouse or a close friend, your homework is to get vulnerable and open up about your questions and uncertainties. I want to call the ushers forward and receive our offering. So, Father, we bring before you this morning what is already yours. Lord, you give us everything that we have. Things that are seen and things that are unseen. And so, Father, we give back to you now what is already yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.